Amen. Easter truly is a time to celebrate the story of God's love for you and for me. A love that could not be deterred by the agony of the cross or be held captive to the darkness of the tomb. A love that demands nothing less than all of our worship. This morning, we look at a story. This is the story of Easter. This is the story of an empty tomb. This is the story of a people in darkness. This is the story of a loving God. This is the story of broken chains. This is the story of hope restored. This is the story of the ransomed. This is the story of the redeemed. This is the story of a spotless lamb. This is the story of a mighty king.
God spoke our world into existence. And in the right time, his word took on flesh and became one of us. As Jesus Christ, the Son of God and the Son of Man. For 33 years, he walked the earth. He was tempted. He was tested. He laughed. He cried. He loved the unlovable and touched the unclean. He gave sight to the blind, caused the lame to walk, and raised the dead to life. Then, like a lamb led to the slaughter, Jesus was led away to be hung on a cross at a place called Calvary. He was humiliated. He was mocked. He was abused. And then he died and was buried in a borrowed tomb. He was the blood sacrifice that was required for man to be made right with God. He paid our debt so that we can be freed from the curse of our own sin.
1 Peter 1, 18 and 19. Knowing that you were not redeemed with perishable things like silver or gold, but with precious blood as a lamb unblemished and spotless, the blood of Christ. The blood of redemption shed back then flows all the way to where we are and is still changing lives today. That's the beauty of the sacrifice. That's the power of the cross. And if you have been redeemed by the blood of Jesus Christ, worship and praise him now with all of your heart.
after the Sabbath, at the dawning of the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary came to see the tomb. And there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord came down out of heaven and rolled away the stone. His appearance was like lightning, and his clothing white like snow. Those who were keeping watch were shaken by fear of him, and they became like dead people. And the angel said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus, 
who has been crucified, but he is not here. For he is risen, just as he said, come and see the place where he was laid.
gift of God's grace and love is immeasurable. So come, accept his invitation to have all of your sins, past, present, and future forgiven. Surrender your life to God, the only one who can give you peace, hope, joy, and victory. We are people of the risen King. We are children of the living God. And that's why we celebrate not only today, but every Lord's Day. We are united in Him, and with one voice we sing. Worthy is the Lamb that was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing to him who sits on the throne and to the lamb be blessing and honor and glory and dominion forever and ever amen Thank 
Amen. If you've got your Bibles this morning, turn to Matthew chapter 28, a very familiar passage of Scripture on Resurrection Sunday morning. Matthew chapter 28. Let's pray together. Lord, Heavenly Father, thank you. Thank you for the work that you have already done in our hearts, Lord, as we have celebrated who you are and all that you have done because truly you have overcome. Lord, there is nothing that uh, you have not overcome. There's nothing that you have not defeated. Uh, Lord, you have defeated sin, death, hell, and the grave all together. And Lord, that is because you are God in the flesh. Lord, you are the God-man. You are the only one who could accomplish what had to be accomplished for us to be able to be made right and have an opportunity to be in relationships with you. And so, Lord, uh, we come before you today and we celebrate. We celebrate because we recognize that there is hope beyond this life. We celebrate because we recognize that death does not have the final say. And, Lord, because of that, we have reason to sing. We have reason to rejoice. Even in the difficulties of life, Lord, we have reason uh, to look to you with great hope and excitement about what you have done and what you are going to do for all of eternity. Lord, we love you. Lord, I recognize I'm a very weak vessel. I pray that today you might hide me behind the cross, that only you would be seen and only you would be heard. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. This morning has been an amazing celebration. And it's been a celebration of Jesus, our Messiah. We have celebrated for good reason. And when we think about what we're celebrating this morning, we, we think about the uniqueness, the, the one-of-a-kind nature of Christ. You see, throughout human history, there have been numerous powerful and influential men who have led large numbers of people to follow them in all kinds of different directions. Some of these men have been military leaders. Some of these men have been political leaders. Some religious revolutionaries. These men all lived. They influenced countless numbers of people, and then they died. Let's, let's think about a few examples. Julius Caesar. Julius Caesar, the, the Roman dictator, was assassinated by a group of senators on the Ides of March, which is the 15th of March, of 44 BC during a meeting of the Senate at the theater of Pompeii in Rome. The senators were told stabbed Caesar 23 times and after his death Julius Caesar was officially recognized as a god, the divine Julius by the Roman state. And in 29 BC Caesar's adopted son, the first Roman emperor, Augustus allowed the culturally Greek cities of Asia Minor to set up temples to him. And yet, Julius Caesar's ashes are still visited today at the ruins of the Roman Forum, meaning that Caesar is still dead. Think about another. Buddha. Buddha was a man who claimed to have been enlightened to the point of reaching the middle way, or what is called nirvana. And yet Buddha still died. Sometime between 483 and 400 B.C., 
and his remains are divided and scattered around India where they are visited and honored still today, meaning that Buddha is still dead. Lenin. Lenin was the driving force behind the communist revolution of 1917 and was the first dictator of the Soviet Union. He died in 1924 and his body is still on public display. That's gross. Periodically, there are those who are, this is their job. They are responsible for Lenin's body. And they have to take his corpse out of the glass coffin that it is in and treat it with chemicals and repair all the places that are damaged. In in other words, all the places that are rotting off. Today, there is very little left of what used to be linen. What is actually there is mostly plastics and wax and makeup. Meaning what? Linen is still dead. But what about Jesus? Who is this Jesus? The people of Israel saw Jesus as a miracle-working prophet. The religious leaders saw him as a heretic who was challenging their authority. The Roman rulers saw Jesus as a religious zealot who threatened the peace and the security of Palestine. And his followers, many, saw him as Messiah, but they saw him as Messiah, the military ruler who would overthrow the Roman reign. Jesus lived the life of a servant, meeting the needs of the sick and the downcast, the forgotten, and even the dead. Jesus healed the physically sick. He freed those in spiritual bondage. He fed the hungry. He taught the searching. He raised the dead to life. And he offered access to the Father to those willing to repent and to believe. Jesus was such a threat to the Jewish leaders and to those Roman officials that a plot was made to have Jesus arrested and then executed by the Romans. Jesus was arrested. He was put through a mock trial. That verdict was already predetermined by the religious leaders. And then he was quickly delivered over to the Romans. Jesus was given over to Pontius Pilate, the governor. Pilate then actually did question Jesus. Pilate questions Jesus and he he finds actually no guilt in this man whatsoever. And desiring to free the man named Jesus, he placed the decision in the hands of the people of Israel. He offered them up Jesus, this innocent man who no sin was found in. Or they could have Barabbas. They could have Barabbas, a a known violent criminal. The people cried out, being directed by the religious leaders. They cried out for Jesus to be crucified. They cried out, crucify him, crucify him, crucify him. And they handed him over. Pilate reluctantly, but giving in to the will of the people, handed Jesus over 
to the soldiers that they might crucify him. Jesus would then be stripped of all of his clothes and a crown of thorns and a purple robe would mockingly be placed on him by the soldiers. They would mock him and bow down to him, mockingly spitting upon him and striking him in the head with a reed. And once they were done with their mocking, they placed his own clothes back upon him and a crossbeam upon his back and they led him to be crucified outside of the city at the place called Calvary, at the place called Golgotha, at the place called the Skull. Jesus willingly laid himself down on that cross. After being stripped absolutely naked, he placed himself upon that cross where the soldiers would then take nine-inch nails that would be pierced into his hands and into his feet so that he could be held upon the wooden beams of that cross. Jesus would then endure six hours from 9 a.m. to 3 p.m. of intense agony, hanging between heaven and earth as the wrath of God for the sin of man was poured out upon him. And at 3 p.m. of that day, Jesus would cry out, It is finished! And he gave up the spirit. Roman soldiers would come, being surprised that Jesus was already dead after only six hours. They would come to Jesus, and they took a sword, and they pierced his side to confirm his death. And blood and water came pouring out as evidence that his heart had literally burst because of the agony of bearing the sins of all mankind. Jesus' body would be requested by Joseph of Arimathea and by Nicodemus, both of which were secret disciples up to this point, who together would take Jesus' body down from the cross and would prepare the body quickly because the Sabbath was nearing. And they placed the body in Joseph's tomb, having then a huge stone rolled in front of the opening. Now, this is where the story usually ends. For most men. You see, most great men don't have anything further said about them past this. A great man does great things and then he is either killed or he dies and they place him in a tomb of some kind and then the people honor that sacred place from that point forward because that is where the body of their revered leader lays. So they come to that place, it's seen as holy, it's seen as special because that's where the body lays dead but not in the case of Jesus I have great news for you this morning our Lord's tomb is empty because our Lord Jesus got up and he left that grave forever please stand with me in honor of the reading of God's word Matthew 28 verses 1 through 8 in the end of the Sabbath 
As it began to dawn towards the first day of the week, came Mary Magdalene and the other Mary to see the sepulcher. And behold, there was a great earthquake, for the angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and he rolled back the stone from the door and he sat upon it. His countenance was like lightning and his raiment white as snow. And for fear of him, the keepers did shake and became as dead men. And the angel answered and said unto the women, Fear not ye, for I know that you seek Jesus, which was crucified. The greatest verse, perhaps in all of Scripture, verse 6. He is not here, for he is risen, as he said. Come and see the place where the Lord lay. And go quickly and tell his disciples that he is risen from the dead. And behold, he goeth before you into Galilee. There shall ye see him. Lo, I have told you. And they departed quickly from the sepulcher with fear and great joy and did run to bring his disciples' word. You may be seated. The greatest news to ever be told. I want you to see three great things very quickly this morning. First, I want you to look at these first four verses and we see a great moment. But before getting to that great moment, I want you to think with me. I want you to Try to imagine with me this morning the despair that these two women were feeling as they walked towards the tomb on that first Resurrection Sunday morning. They had no clue what was about to happen. They had no idea what they were about to experience. I want you to think about as they walk, before they get to the tomb, before they meet the angel, before they experience everything that they're about to experience, I want you to think about what they are feeling all hope, all of their hope had been placed in Jesus, who on Friday they had watched die the cruelest death imaginable. And now these two are making their way to pay their last respects to Jesus, to finish the preparation of the body that had been hurriedly done because of Friday. The, the Friday evening would be in the, the beginning of Sabbath. At sunset, and so they quickly had to prepare the body before putting it into the tomb. And then suddenly, the, the earth begins to shake, and, and the stone sealing the tomb rolls out of the way to reveal an empty tomb where Jesus' body had previously been laying. You see, it's important to note that this stone was not rolled out of the way to release Jesus. He had already gotten up and left, okay? The point here is to allow the followers of Jesus, to allow us even today, to be able to walk in and see that there was no longer death in that tomb. Death had now been swallowed up in victory because Jesus is alive. Now, standing there had been soldiers, Roman soldiers, these men would have been some of the most hardened folks that you can imagine. I mean, these are guys who had taken the lives of others. These are guys who had been through hand-to-hand -hand combat and war. These are not guys who are easily spooked. But I want you to see these Roman soldiers who are standing here. This earthquake comes, and the appearance of the angel led these soldiers to pass out. They fall flat like dead men out of fear. It's interesting to note that where these battle-hardened soldiers pass out, that these, these two women, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary, 
It's interesting to see that they stand there. They stand there and they wait for the instructions from the angel. These two women are are given a great message. We see that in verses 5 and 6. A great message. The angel calms these women's fears by instructing them not to be afraid, but to listen closely to this great message. Jesus, who really did die. That's important for you to understand this morning. Jesus, who really did die and really was buried in that tomb on Friday. And that same Jesus is alive and has already, he has already left the tomb without need of a stone's removal. The angel wants these women to understand without any confusion that Jesus was dead and now he is alive again. The great message of the gospel is not simply that Jesus died for our sins. That's an amazing truth in and of itself, isn't it? That Jesus would love us so much that he would die for our sins. I know who I am and I know the wickedness in my own heart. And I do not deserve anything from Jesus, much less him giving his very life for me. I know who I am. And it's amazing that Jesus would die for me. But it's interesting to think about the fact that that's not the greatest thing that happened. You see, many men have claimed to have come to die for a a number of of, of different great causes. We think about that all the time. There's all kinds of people who do that. Anyone can make up their mind to die for what they believe in. And then, if they've gathered a group of followers behind them, that great man will then be buried by his followers. But the real proof that Jesus is who he always claimed to be The real proof is the resurrection. Any man can die. I will die unless the Lord raptures me. You will die unless the Lord raptures you. Any of us can die. Any of us can be buried. Any of us can be placed in the ground. Any of us can be placed in a mausoleum. Any of us can be cremated and placed in a urn somewhere. Any of us can do that. Any man can die. And any man can be placed in the tomb. But only Jesus Christ, only the God-man, can get up and walk out of that tomb three days later. Only Jesus. There is no other man in all of history who has gotten up out of his tomb, walked out to never return again. Only Jesus. Every other man, those that got to experience the resurrection because of the power of the Lord Jesus Christ while he walked upon this earth, guess what they had to experience again? Death. They had to experience burial once again, but not Jesus. It is a great message, but also a great mission. Look at verses 7 and 8. Here the angel gives these women their great mission that has now traveled all the way from, from them to the disciples and the apostles all the way down through history for 2,000 years, and it has now come to us at Brinesford Baptist Church in the middle of Marshall County, Kentucky, in 2022. This message has come to us, and that message is go quickly. 
See, Jesus is not only alive, but he has also a plan to meet with you and to meet with me. He had a plan to meet with his disciples. Do you understand that the angel is saying something amazing here? Don't, don't keep this great news to yourself. He didn't just say, you know, because there had been times when Jesus would, would heal someone. He, he would do an amazing work in their life, and he would say, don't spread this yet. It's not yet time, but now it is. Because he didn't say, just come and look for yourself and, and then keep it to yourself. He didn't say, experience what it means to, to see that Jesus is alive, that, that he is risen, and keep it to yourself. No. Notice what he says. Don't keep this great news to yourself, but go quickly and share it. As quickly as you can, find the other disciples and tell them what you have discovered. And they go quickly with fear and joy. It, it, it may not have been the easiest thing for the, them to have done, but, but they go. They go quickly and they do what they have been called on to do. They share this great, this great message because that was the mission that they were given and at this point, the angel's message is entrusted to the woman. And, and then it was entrusted to the disciples. And now it has been entrusted to us. And this is how Paul explains what we have been given. About 20 years after the resurrection, this is how Paul describes the mission that we have been given to the church at Corinth. In 1 Corinthians 15, 3-8. For I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he rose again on the third day according to the Scriptures, and that he was seen of Cephas, and then of the twelve, and after that he was seen of about five hundred brethren at once, of whom the greater part remain until this present, but some are fallen asleep. And after that... He was seen of James, and then of all the apostles. And last of all, he was seen of me also, as of one born out of due time. This morning, I want you to think about this great moment. What is that great moment? Well, the great moment is the moment that the Spirit himself begins to shake your life and causes you to recognize your sin and, and causes you to recognize your great need for a relationship with God. And there's a great message. The great message is that Jesus Christ is alive. And he desires to take the mess that is your spiritually dead life and make you alive in him. And if you'll admit that you are a sinner, if you'll admit this morning that you're a sinner in desperate need of Christ, which is what I had to do, and then if you will believe that Jesus Christ truly is the living Son of God, and place your faith in him for salvation, you will be saved. I don't care how far away from God you think you are. I don't care how bad you think you are. I don't care how much you're rolling your eyes at the preacher this morning because you're like, well, you don't know what I've done. It doesn't matter what you've done. It's labeled as sin. And Jesus died for that sin. And he took that sin to the cross. And it's covered by his blood. And it's been washed away. It's been thrown as far as the east is from the west to be remembered no more by him. And so if you will come, if you will recognize your need for Christ today, and if you will repent of your sin and come to him and believe on him, you shall be saved. That's the promise given to us in scripture time and time 
and time again. And then we see the great mission is to go quickly and tell. This message is too great for any of us to keep to ourselves. See, then go and tell. And so here in just a moment, our musicians are going to begin to play. And Brother Rockney's going to be here, and he's going to be leading us in song, and you're going to have an opportunity. And I know that in a congregation this size, or with those watching on television or on Facebook Live, there's a number of you this morning who are here, and you know very clearly that you don't have a relationship with Christ. You wouldn't even pretend to have a relationship with Christ. You know you're lost. And maybe you're here this morning simply because somebody said you couldn't go to lunch unless you came to church first. I get that. I know it's, it's Easter Sunday morning. I get that. But I want you to know you're not here by happenstance. You're not here by accident. You're here because before the foundation of the world was laid, God made a divine appointment with you. And he always keeps his appointments. And this morning, you're being given an opportunity to recognize that no matter how bad you think you are, you're not so bad that Christ can't save you. You're not so bad that you're beyond the reach of his grace. He desires for you to come into a relationship with him this morning. And so if that's you that today, here in just a moment, you're going to have the opportunity to come. And I know that may be intimidating for some. And so if, if you don't want to walk all the way up front, if you just want to kind of go to the side, that's fine. And, and, and we'll send somebody over to where you're at. And if you just want to go and ha have a conversation with somebody in one of our counseling rooms in the back, that's fine. But if you want to come and talk to me, I'd love to talk to you, answer any questions that you have. But if today you know that you do not have a relationship with Jesus and you want a relationship with Jesus, there's no reason to stay away. Because there's only one man in all of history who lived a life, who died, who was buried, and who got up three days later and who never returned to the grave. And that man's name is Jesus. And that is the man who desires to have a relationship with you. That is the man who desires to forgive you of your sins. That is the man who desires to love you like you've never been loved before. Now, does that mean that your life's going to change? Yes, it does. You are going to be transformed. You're going to have new wants and new desires in your life. But he'll take care of that. You don't have to clean yourself up today. You don't have to come whitewashed because you can't. You're dirty, you're, you're, you're sinful, just like all of us were before we came to Christ. We come, we bring our baggage, we bring the trash that is our life and all the sin in us, and Christ begins to do the work of cleaning us and making us pure and making us His. But it begins with you coming to Him today. If He's speaking to your heart, I want you to come today. If, you're, if He's speaking into your life, I want you to surrender today. And I want you to experience what it is to know Christ, the resurrected Savior. Lord, this morning, I thank you that you have spoken so clearly to our hearts through song. Lord, that you've spoken so clearly to our hearts through the amazing account and history of what you did for us on that first resurrection morning. Lord, I've got friends here today that don't yet know you. I've got other friends that have a lot of questions, and, and maybe they're even hesitant to admit that they have questions, but, but they need to come. I've got brothers and sisters in Christ that may need to make this their church home. I've got brothers and sisters in Christ who need to be at this altar interceding on behalf of others. Lord, there's a lot of work that needs to go on today. There's a lot of ways that we need to respond to you. Lord, help us to be obedient. Lord, we love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. As we stand, as we sing, you have the